You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Lodge 1908. It's a place where strange things are discussed, and uh, to be totally honest with you all, we're not entirely sure uh, exactly where all of this is going. But to introduce myself, I'm Andrew McKay, joined, as always, uh, on the Into the Portal feed by Amber uh, Ray Bouchard, or Amber McKay, haven't changed the name yet on the passport, my lovely (laughs) wife, and (laughs) the third and possibly most important (laughs) part of the Lodge. (laughs) Adam Benedict from the Pine Barrens Institute, all the way from Wisconsin. So we're doing this. We're doing this internationally. We're crossing borders <laughs> with so much strangeness between between us. The stretch of vastness between Wisconsin and West Kelowna mm. and beyond. I guess one thousand nine hundred and eight miles to be exact. One thousand nine hundred eight. Lodge nineteen oh eight. So this is a place, like I said, where strange things are discussed. And, you know, its origins are definitely lie in the background that we all have. But what we're going with is the discovery and preservation of all things throughout history that are bizarre, unexplained, mysterious, and straight up strange. So, yeah, brought to you by Into the Portal Podcast and the Pine Barrens Institute and Straight Up Strange Productions. Yeah, let's just jump right into this, I guess. We, this is the pilot episode, everyone. So we're working out a few things. One of those things is the Lodge mantra, which we are inspired by a show that I was actually really surprised that Adam had seen on PBS over in the States because it was a Canadian broadcast, The Red Green Show, and their slogan, Quando Omni Fluncus Moritati, which pseudo-Latin for when all else fails, play dead, the, uh, the slogan of the possum. And Adam, that was so great that you had seen that show. Oh, I, I have like distinct memories of it coming on like late. And I always remember seeing this dude and I was like, who is this old guy with like a fishing hat and like two different colored suspenders. And like the way he talked always like caught my attention. Like this doesn't sound right, but it's not wrong either. (laughs) Like I never knew it was Canadian for the longest time. Oh, you, it just sounded, you wouldn't, I guess. Yeah. It's very, it's very Wisconsin too, probably. I mean, no wonder it aired on PBS there. It was probably like a really popular show. And that's what I couldn't pin down. It's like, is it North Northwoods, Wisconsin? Is it Minnesota? Where, like, where's this coming from? I can't figure this out. But no, yeah. yeah. Well, when you when you asked that, I was like, man, like we're we're going we're going uh, back to some deep childhood oh, memories, deep deep into the nineties, deep into the early nineties for sure. Um, but yeah, no, definitely inspired by that uh, their lodge mantra because that's you know the the Possum Lodge was just this this very sacred place where they discussed important things. To them, we're going to discuss very different things in Lodge 1908. And one of the segments we were possibly going to 
workshop here <laughs> was the airing of the grievances inspired by yet another show. We'll let everybody else just, you know, work with their imagination to remember that. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. The paranormal airing of the grievances, because there are so many things that we encounter. Uh, we poke fun at a lot of the time, uh, hollow earth, interdimensional stuff, even though I go there a lot of the time. I believe Rod's came up on the last episode, and mm. there's going to be a good chunk of uh, Rod's talk on this inaugural episode of uh, Lodge 1908. So the paranormal airing of the grievances. Adam, you are first up here, Lodge member Adam. <laughs> Where do you want to go with? So I, I got quite a few that uh, that <laughs> that uh, end up sticking themselves in my brain for a while. And uh, a lot of them come from Twitter. A lot of a lot of the uh, the things that become frustrating. One of the main things, though, that like drives me insane is reality Bigfoot television, and the fact that none of this stuff has any basis in anything that makes sense at all. But these people on TV are treated like weird cryptozoology gods, and it's like <laughs> their word is the end all. Sir, if I may. Why don't you just set up like a billion video cameras in the woods and see if he walks by one? Ah, that would be very expensive. And most people who believe in Bigfoot are broke. Hey, look! Bigfoot! He's back! Where? So it's like, if I saw so-and-so on TV out in the woods with, you know, 40 pounds of fireworks and jars of peanut butter, then that's what I'm going to do because I believe that to be real. And it is insane. And if you say anything (laughs) against it, like people are like, well, obviously you just don't understand. And it's like, what do you understand about it that I don't? Because we, we watched the same show, apparently. And this is nuts. And that has bothered me for so long. And I hate it. I just hate it. And I'm, I'm willing to put that out there. That's fair. That I hate That's it. That's fair. That's very fair. That is a fair airing of a grievance, I would say, too. And, yeah. to, be, and to be honest with you, like, I don't, you know, truthfully... As into the portal, like, you know, Sasquatch fans, you know, we did a three-part series years ago. We haven't watched, actually, a lot of the these, like, the Amazon Prime, well, just a slew of, like, endless Bigfoot No, I think we've kind of avoided them. I, I feel like a lot of the time what you get is a, a repeat. It's almost like an endless echo chamber of the same stories you've heard. Or, yeah, exactly mm-hmm. what you said, Adam, where it's these people that you may or may not have ever heard of in your entire life. And all of us are kind of in this, you know, Fortean paranormal field of interest, so to speak. And we've never heard of these people. And yet they're, yeah, exactly. It's like the gospel they're speaking. Right. It, and what's crazy is when, when these people like are introduced on the show and stuff and they're like Sasquatch expert with a background <laughs> in engineering, it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> So Hmm. apparently like that's all you need. Like my background, it's like graphic design. And apparently that would make me like an expert on (laughs) like Mothman or something like that. There's these weird like links between these degrees and stuff. And you're like, okay, that that's a reach, but you're throwing Hmm. something out there where people are like, well, obviously they know what they're talking about because they're an engineer. (laughs) Yeah. It's a bit absurd. It's a bit absurd. Any kind of credential will work for that. I mean, when you, they need a byline, right? If you were like an anthropologist and, and a specialist in like indigenous linguistics, then we'll we'll talk. But like most of these people are not, I'm assuming. But it's like once, once 
that show comes out and the the Twitter following goes up to like 10,000, 15,000, you know, 20,000 people, then these people can spout like the worst garbage and people will be like, that's Sasquatch fact right there. Oh, like, yeah. if, if it was coming from anyone else, I wouldn't believe it, but it's becoming from Mr. You know, Joe Sasquatch Hunter. It's it's legit. It's like, oh my God, you guys have drank the Kool-Aid hardcore on this. And it almost and it kind of sucks because it's like it takes away from it takes away from some of the the fun of 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 at least wanting to believe or listening to some of the explanations or interpretations that are much less, you know, like oh, this is definitively true or like what or whatever it might be. And that's why I've always enjoyed the perspectives of um, you know, and even though he definitely maybe crosses the line for some people of Jeff Meldrum uh, on monster quest and on other, you know, productions and stuff because he's got the credentials behind mm. him, which is always nice. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And he's always UBC, he's very, like biologist or something. Very soft spoken. Or, or he's American. I think, right. I thought he was from UBC. No, no, no. He's Meldrum? from Idaho state or something like that. Oh. Meldrum. But I he, think you're thinking of, of John green. Yeah. John green was UBC uh, Canadian. Oh, okay. Anyway, yeah. but just a little bit more of a you know nuanced perspective and doesn't just like ram it down your throat. But yeah, maybe we do need to revisit some of these Amazon Prime <laughs> documentaries and brush oh, up. There's some, some Twitter, winners out there. Twitter Twitter conversation. <laughs> well, and, and the one like that leads into a second one too. It's like people just stopped being able to have fun with so much of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be real. All the t- like, you don't have to try and make everything explainable and real. Yeah, it'd be awesome if you could, but it's just like, no, yeah. like admit that some of this is really stupid. Totally, like it's not gonna it's not gonna take away like your ability to enjoy it because there's movies out there from the '90s that are terrible, but I will still watch them because I enjoy them. <laughs> They're not good by any means, uh, and like you know, a lot of this stuff is the exact same way. You. You don't have to try and make everything real for respect. Just admit it's dumb and move on to the next dumb thing. I I 100% agree. I think it's like, I think it's FOMO in a way. You know what I mean? It's like, it's fear of missing out because I think it's like, it's what what you're saying is 100% true. I think it's people basically being like, you know, not everyone can have an experience. You know what I mean? Even if someone has, has something that to them is a genuine experience, then these shows just like multiply like, like amoebas, you know what I mean? And it's like everyone is like going out there and wanting to believe and wanting things to be true. And so it's like everyone's trying to like, yeah, like every everyone wants to dip their foot in the same pool. And what used to be like a nice private beach of like interesting people having like actual conversations is now just a totally overloaded like debauchery slew of like everybody under the sun. Like, you know. It's like Jersey Shore. Like, yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's, it's turned yeah. into Jersey Shore of, of cryptozoology. And like, don't to anyone listening or like, or anyone who stumbles across this, don't take like my, my being irritated with the current state of like how everything is as like, I'm against all this because I love it. I like, I love all this stuff. Of course. Like I love looking for the stories. I love learning the history of it. I love like, you know, the, the art that people do on these different creatures and stuff. It's so fun, but it just wouldn't. People are so dead set on removing the fun out of it that it's just become a chore now to do anything on it because it's just like, who am I going to offend this time? Who's going to like send a, a 14 paragraph email telling me how I'm wrong on something? It's like, I don't care. Yep. 
I do not care. I think that should maybe be the second mantra of the Lodge. That truly we don't care. We'll adopt that from Bianca Del Rio. <laughs> we really just don't. We really don't care all that much at the mm. end of the day. Uh, and you know, and that's the truth. That's uh, it's true for Into the Portal as well, where people have, you know, not lashed. Is lashed out the right phrasing? Yeah, sort of, kind mm, of, sort of, probably in certain ways. And <laughs> as if, as if we're, you know, purported experts. And it's like we've never once used that word no. for how for what we are our backgrounds or how you know we we do our own research and we come to our own conclusions and that's what we do in the lodge here as well but it's you know yeah we're not we're not experts by any means <laughs> by any means is anyone really truly i think is what adam is probably alluding to here yeah in a long roundabout way in uh <laughs> In a long, frustrating <laughs> way. Yeah. There's no experts, so please stop calling yourselves experts. Oh. And it's just like, if 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 people if people are just like, hey, I'm a dude who just like really likes this stuff and I got some cool stories, I'd be like, yeah, man, I want to hear those stories. But if someone's like, I am a Sasquatch expert, and I'm going to be like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to listen to your presentation. <laughs> well, Adam, this is going to, this is going to be ridiculous. We have a very interesting uh, quote unquote presentation for you from a self-proclaimed rod expert so <laughs> you're, you're gonna be treated oh, to that later in this episode it's gonna be a treat. i know you were talking about uh, earlier in the week how yeah you were um, this is perfect it, it is perfect so i mean we were talking rods and then you were also talking about i think how a, a presentation on orbs may or may not be the most unpleasant experience you could possibly endure <laughs> it's orbs are so dumb <laughs> Are they as dumb as rods, though? Wait a second like, here. Where's, don't hate. Where's hey, the hierarchy here? I don't know who's listening. Just hushed. Let's take it <laughs> I slow. I think the rods might be listening Let, right now. Let's take it okay. slow. All right. We don't want to cross the line. It's same rules apply as using a Ouija board here. We don't want to offend anyone. We don't know what they're doing. Rods included. So wow. we don't want to cross the line. Exactly. <laughs> That's just a little foreshadowing. Now, before here. we get into rods... This is an important topic here for meeting one here of the lodge, but we did have a couple other things for uh, of the grievances, and one of them isn't so much a grievance. But Amber, you had an interesting follow mm. up. We had a yeah, we had a follow up, a couple of follow ups from the last time we informally met and had a nice little chat with Adam, and this brought up a couple of interesting points from some of the stories we brought up, and I thought these were actually quite interesting. So I wanted to bring up the first one had to do with the man without bones story that Andrew oh, the boneless man okay, beautifully sorry. presented to us. It is St. Patrick's day. This will be the one and only time you hear the sound on the lodge. Okay. All right. <laughs> Getting into it. Cause it's a very, an actual serious thing. Um, but this is an actual thing that exists. It's called Gorman's disease. And apparently this is something that might help explain that fantastical story that we heard. And Andrew, I don't know if you're into giving a quick recap, if you can recall that. Oh, for did you want me? oh I guess I should have been prepared to reread it. But, well, well, everyone should go back and listen, to, of course, to the episode. It basically, in a nutshell, was a man that was found draped over a chair. Yeah, he was so, like rolled around like a piece of dough, essentially. Like, okay, so, rolled, so yeah, so rolled. Sorry, a few people <laughs> found this guy and he was in a relatively jolly state. I mean, he was like telling them, hey, yeah, you can tie my leg in a bow. Conscious, you know, not in can, pain, apparently. No, I mean, yeah. No pain at all. The only pain he felt, as I recall, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, is when they rolled him like a rolling pin or with, you know, like a barrel, like as if he was like, you know, a piece of dough. And they went over his heart and lungs, mm. I think is when he was in pain. Yeah, he, he, 
That's when he like experienced some sort of discomfort. Just to like put it into like a visual of what I visualize when I think of this guy. You know, in Beetlejuice, like when they're in the underworld and there's that dude that was flattened by the car. Yep. Yeah. And he like goes between the walls. That's what I picture this guy looks like. Totally. So if you can picture that, like Mr. it Bill. kind of matches up to what like the story uh, kind of describes him as. Mm. But continue. Okay. <laughs> So we had a listener reach out to us. Um, Shout out to Artemis Gray there. Uh, She had some really awesome points to make. But so basically she described how this boneless man could in fact be a gross exaggeration of what's known as Gorman's disease. And this is a incredibly rare condition in which the bones are actually reabsorbed by the body and reabsorbed into different tissue structures. So this is something that actually exists. And it is, yeah. And and it's interesting because uh, you just mentioned that the man apparently didn't have any pain except when they rolled over his his heart and his lungs. Apparently, like one of the early symptoms of this can be like, pain in your frontal chest like your ribs and things because those could be affected quite easily okay but okay. this in a nutshell i'm i'm not going to go into the whole science of it but basically this can be brought on in various ways and can there was this one man from the 1800s and this was fascinating he basically had an arm that was injured in an accident. He basically broke his arm. And then he subsequently broke it two more times. And no one really understood what was going on with this. And then basically by the end of his 70 years of life, his arm exhibited no bones. And no one knew. There was no x-rays at the time. So they couldn't actually figure out what the cause of it was until he died. And he donated his arm to science. This is so weird. So they basically like amputated it off of his dead body and dissected it and they found that it had turned into different tissues different vascular tissues and different things and i again right i don't really have a science understanding of it but she was kind of saying that this could have been a gross exaggeration of that so instead of it being a contortionist like we were kind of proposing in the first episode this may have a more reasonable explanation. Or what if it's a combination? Proposal. What if this is a contortionist <laughs> who's double jointed and okay. practices this stuff and this happens to them? It's like a perfect storm of being able to be Gumby, Gumby Man, Gumby Man, Adam. <laughs> Honestly, like I could, I could get behind that. I could believe that um, the the super exaggeration of it mm-hmm. and. And it's kind of one of those situations where it's like you, you have that information where you could put all your eggs in that basket, but it's like you still don't want to because who knows? I'm not saying it's like the dude just was like a <clears throat> carpet or something like that, mm-hmm. but it's just like, um, I don't know. That, that's the fun, I think, of looking into these these weird stories is you get to learn all this new stuff. I've never heard of this before. Isn't this incredible? So I, I know. I just learned something. It, yeah. It's, it's basically, it's an oddity of actual known science and pathology, right? And this is where so the cool. stories in the oddities in print are so yeah. important and so valuable. There's, there's golden nuggets hiding. There is. It's like, they don't really like, I read through the article a little bit here and like, they don't give like a, a very like in detail description of like the functionality of these limbs. Cause it doesn't really affect your entire body. Like for it to affect your entire being, that's no way, no go. Like you're dead. Right. 
kind of thing. Of but this guy, Mr. Brown from uh, 1819, apparently at the time of, uh, so this is 20 years later in 1838, he had reported to have remarkable use of his arm despite the humorous bone having apparently disappeared. So that's how it's described. It's kind of hard to like really like understand what that means. Like, is it just flopping around? Like, I but he can still like move <laughs> his fingers or like what's going on? But anyways, that's... so that was one thing. Remember that scene in Harry Potter? I can't remember which one where he like breaks his <laughs> oh, yeah. arm and they're yes. regrowing the, the bone and just match flops or whatever. there. Yeah, and Mr. Lockhart tries to like, cure him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I bet it was kind of like that, or like it was there, but it was just. Just flop, floppy. It's like like a fish, fish arm. Yeah, that's what they call it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyways, not to drag Man. this out, but we had one other comment from the same Artemis Gray, and she also wanted to just comment on. I think it was the other story you presented, Andrew, which was the raining flesh. Ah, yes. And she just commented on the idea of regurgitated, like vulturing, like vultures, Did like you know. Bring on the that whole, up? Too? Yeah, uh, no. Adam brought it up yeah, as it. one possibility, perhaps. But she was saying that she's actually seen this in person happen and they do it as a defensive mechanism apparently. And so this could happen to like an entire flick, which would be like a group of vultures in the air. However, she kind of said based on what she's seen, like, you know, in real life, like it would smell like vomit. It would look like vomit. It would be like stomach contents. Essentially. It wouldn't look like beef jerky per se. So that was kind of a little bit of a reach in her opinion. So that was the airing of the grievances from the listeners. (laughs) I bring this to you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, last but not least, I guess I have my uh, airing of the grievance and I, I did struggle with this to be honest, because we've, we've had a few that we've just, just beat, it's just being a dead horse, honestly, if I bring up some of these things. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm not going to, but... Beat one that, that horse, I, Andrew. No, yeah. I'm not going to, but one yeah. that I honestly... Beat that horse to death. Just, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to name names then. Joe Nickel. Powells across the world. No, I'm not going to do that. But one thing I've actually never really mentioned that much that is super annoying, very annoying, and I think we just don't mention it because we're really not a UFO show. We It's intermittent, but the constant coming of disclosures and then the releasing of disclosures and and then the activity the flurry of activity i see on twitter from the, the many many accounts we follow and follow us and nothing ever comes of it literally ever and all that ever comes of it truly is a recirculation of the goddamn tic tac ufo image mm. mhm and i just I, 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 I don't know. I think at this point we all believe that there's something that, you know, beyond us or whatever. There's clearly things that are redacted and kept away. But it's at this point it's just so stupid. It's so stupid. And we're all just <laughs> sitting here like waiting. I, I, I'm trying to find an analogy, but I'm picturing it's like it's, we're, like chicken, we're like chickens waiting for the feed to come out of the little, mm. the little thing or something. Mm-hmm. And nothing ever comes. It's always the same thing that comes out. It's never anything new. And, and what's... And what's crazy about that is like you have these these vast groups. And again, don't think that like I'm crapping on people who like are all about UFOs, serious research or stuff like that. Like more power to you because that's a of course. crazy field that I don't even want to get oh, into no. because I don't have the time for all the differences in it. But it's like the people who are so hellbent on like the disclosure thing have it in the mind that the government 
And the world's governments are all on track and together with one another to hide this like world changing information. Um, and they've decided to, you know what, we're going to keep this secret forever. And we've all decided that we're going to get along and we're eventually going to like release this information. Like it, it's not possible. Like no world government is going to work with each other. Like we can't do it now. We've never been able to do it. So what I think is actually going on, which makes more sense is the governments have leaned so heavily into the UFO like obsession with people that they're just like feeding that. We're just like, tell them we're going to disclose something where we'll release little bits of information. So they stop looking over here at other things we're doing with like budget spending and like wars and stuff like that. It's like, give them some UFO stuff. Like that makes more sense to me logically mm. that it's like, we're never going to get the disclosure that people want because there's nothing to give. Mm -hmm. What do you make of that, Amber? No, I actually think Adam has a really good point to make there. And I, I, I definitely agree with you because we've been doing a lot of research into government uh, black programs, like, you know, like research programs, things that have been going on since pff, the days of World War II and maybe even before then. And there's a lot of value to continuing the UFO misinformation campaign and feeding it in certain ways to make it seem even ever more legit, right? Because if, you know, like we get leaks, not leaks, but like drops from, what was it? It was the Pentagon, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like, that's you know, they've where, been, you where, know, like, one where it usually yeah, comes from. There's been some really, like, I think there's a lot of value because there's a lot of technology that's currently probably being developed that they're trying to cloak. And that's a very convenient uh, you know, mirage to kind of like distract and also explain away things that people see in the night skies and maybe even in the day. Well, and that's the classic thing know. people have said for forever, right? It's like, well, that's a UFO people who are firm. I don't even want to use the word believer because I feel like I'm, I'm halfway depending on what story I'm reading or who I'm talking to or whatever on certain, certain UFO topics or whatever, but it's like, you know, that comes up in X-Files. It's a classic thing where it's like, you know, oh, they, <laughs> they feed it because they want to, they want the, they want the crazies, right? They want the tinfoil hats because then the rest of it that may or may not be true doesn't get paid attention to. Yes. And I think, mm -hmm. I think Adam, you're totally right. Like most of, most of that other stuff, the may or may not tr be true stuff is stuff that's very, very much terrestrial and things that we all, <laughs> you know, should care about, but they're not, you know, they don't want us, they right. don't want us to pay attention to. And it's, it, I well, it's, it's, go, go, go it's ahead. like people are seeing, people are seeing something like you can't, you can't discredit that because people are seeing something, um, what they're seeing, we don't know, but it's just like the leaps and bounds that some people will go through to like create this grand conspiracy. And like, even if the governments are like aware of it, and they're just like, you know what, feed into this a little bit. Like, even that is not some, like, super secretive government branch or anything like that. It could be, like, a team of, like, five people, like, in social media who, like, are contracted by the government to be like, hey, write a few posts like this. We'll pay you for them. Release them out there and, you know, let them spread. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, it's not hard to just get that info out there. Like, it's really not. And especially if, like, the government gives you, like, an official letterhead to be like, put that on there, too, and... Mm -hmm. make it look good we're gonna go do some stuff over here that you really don't need to worry about yeah and it makes it seem like it's like if an if an event like a 
Oh, I'm trying to think of a good one here. Like, a, like another Shag Harbor incident, say, as an example. And for people who aren't familiar, that was off the coast of Nova Scotia, multiple different, you know, naval, naval and different, you know, radar and all this thing. It was this just a bunch of different, like, you know, you know, what am I trying to say? Branches of things that didn't really communicate with each other, like saw the same thing, traveling at great speeds underwater. It was a USO event, essentially. It's like until something like that definitively happens again that we can like, I feel like that, I feel like there's definitely been a lot of incidents, like even into the 1990s and into the 2000s that have been what people have described as uh, technology from out of this world, but probably is just very highly classified technology. There's so much going on in Adam. Yeah, exactly that. Like we don't, we don't know anything about anything. And I think this is just one layer of the mask, right? That we are distracted by. Because it's it's so, it's such a beautiful distraction, something that you can't look away from. It really is. But what's funny is like, we're looking at it through a certain like direction right now, how we're talking about it. And someone else will listen to this and be like, that's just a conspiracy theory, what they're not looking at. So it's Mm, like anything anyone says, it's always going to be like, it's always going to be a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be a cover up. It's always going to be disinformation. Like we've gotten to that point where when it, when you talk about aliens or you talk about Bigfoot or you talk about ghosts, anything like that, it's always instantly a hoax to someone else. Yeah. And they always will be like, this is what actually happened. And then that goes to another person who's like, that's wrong. This is what actually happened. So there's no bits of true information floating around there at all. So you, you have to, you really have to use your best judgment. Like when you're looking at this stuff and it's like, if your gut goes, that sounds stupid. Like there's probably a reason for that. And it's like, you just got to, how far into it do you want to dig? It, you know, ironically, I feel like it's, like the spectrum has teetered so far the other way for people that may or may not have even like a true experience. You know what I mean? Like that's what we'd always hear in stories where it's like an abductee from the sixties or something, right? Like, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to bring it up. They don't want to say anything because of how they'll be ridiculed or scrutinized. And then I feel like there was a chunk of time relatively recently, maybe it was just, well, X-Files was on TV or something where it like, was like, okay again, where people were like, I don't even know. It was like, maybe like more kosher. And I feel like what you're describing, Adam, is like, now we're just so overloaded with like, essentially just mm-hmm. bullshit that oh, yeah. the, the actual stuff that is interesting and is, you know, possibly does have that, you know, golden nugget to it is like almost impossible to find and or believe it's almost impossible, impossible to believe. We, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not just the one or two things anymore. And it's like, we're, oh, yeah. we're, cause there, there are so many people out there who do the most amazing research and writing and formatting of their articles where it's like void of all spin. It's just the facts. And it's like, those people are, they're so undervalued on what they put out there amongst all this garbage but it's like we're instantly conditioned it's like whenever something new pops up you're just like that's probably wrong it's like and you don't even think about it you're just like nope that's not right that can't be right because you don't really have a reason for it you're the information where you're like what i know is correct you got from someone else who's decided it's like this is what i'm gonna give to everyone and this is what i'm gonna make them believe hey everyone andrew here I just wanted to take a sec and go out on a limb and state something obvious. Relationships take work. And a lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. 
will go out of our way to treat other people really well and our relationships with other people. But how often do we give ourselves the same type of treatment? I've been trying to eat better this year and keep a more positive perspective in the face of negativity, but sometimes this is really hard. And that is also why I invest in my mental health. And this helps me be my best self. You are your greatest asset. So we want to encourage you to invest the time and effort into yourself the same amount as you do for other people. This month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of your most important relationship, the one that you have with yourself. BetterHelp.com is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist that's right for you in under 48 hours. There's over 2 million people who have turned to BetterHelp.com for successful online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and listeners of Into the Portal get 10% off their first month by visiting BetterHelp.com portal. That's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash portal. And I guess that's probably a great transition <laughs> to talking about rods <laughs> because oh, is that it's a perception of reality yeah. type of thing. I mean, it is. I thought you wanted to talk about stuff that like airing of grievances. Like this is all true. Like rods is all well, we need to be. There's nothing fake about that's them. true. Okay. Well, we'll make a nice hard transition here. Yes. <laughs> From the airing of the grievances to topic number one, mm-hmm. which is something we brought up on last episode of into the portal. Because Adam had a recent, uh, you know, run in with with uh, with the topic of rods. You were rediscovered rods, and the dangers of rods. Well, let's just ask Adam what reattracted you to the rods. Right. Honestly, <laughs> I was just sitting there. I don't even know what I was, I was doing. just sitting, and there. I was just I was just sitting there, and the thought just <laughs> popped into my mind, like. Man, I haven't heard anyone talk about rods in a long time. <laughs> That's them, man. That's them popping into your mind. They did that. That's what they're doing. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it's, it's like, it was just one of those, like, really fleeting thoughts. But it hit such a nerve in my mind where it's like, holy shit. What is the last time I've heard anyone talk about rods? And it's like, it stopped in, like, 1998 where people are just like, are we done with rods? Let's collectively be done with rods. And we never talked about them again. Yeah. And it's like, it's understandable why, but it's like, we were so serious about it for the longest time. And for it to just go away, even if you look past the reasons as to why it went away, it almost makes you seem like, like everyone just got amnesia. And it's like, you know what? I'm bringing rods back. Bringing them back. We Bring need to talk about this, and I'm going to talk about That's it. That's amazing. We well, wanted to talk about it. On- and I will just add this, yes. because uh, we did watch, or re-watch, I should say, because we've seen this a couple of times, but the Monster Quest on not, they don't call it rods, they call it unidentified flying creatures. And this actually premiered on uh, January 8th of 2008. 2008. So, 2008. We got high def video. We got all sorts of like, you know, um, uh, what's it called? Like um, super high speed footage of these supposed <clears throat> rods. <laughs> no, no. And oh, no, no. so, yeah, no. So it goes past the 90s. It's like, you know, it had a genesis in the late 2000s. I have a devil's advocate to play to all of this rod skepticism later on. Great. But, I want to hear it. But just, but just They did give it a rebrand, though. <laughs> yeah. So they took rods away. 
and they recalled it something else and made it shiny and new. Oh, it's shiny and new. It's shiny and new. They called it a UFC. Oh, it's not the UFC that we know, but it's a unidentified flying creature. They're a little more peaceful mm-hmm. than the than a bunch UFC. of mixed martial artists like flying <laughs> through the air, just sky the crap. Sky out of each UFC. Other. That's like a Futurama <laughs> event for sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, just wanted to say this though for everyone listening because we just keep saying this, and I feel like not everyone watch. Not everyone has seen Monster Quest. Not everyone is mm-hmm. necessarily reading the same things or follows uh, Adam on Twitter, which is a great follow. I mean, go at follow up. Uh, is it PB, uh, PBI underscore something? Crypto. Crypto. It's You're a great follow on Twitter. So we need to get I, a launch Twitter account I have nothing going. to do with crypto as well. I have nothing to do with cryptocurrency. Oh, God. We get, that so we get that endlessly. I'm <laughs> yeah. hashtagging crypto as well. All of our Facebook ads and are I always get re-tagged. Mm-hmm. I get re-tagged in crypto ads and better better get on this. Uh, we're, we're minting this NFT tomorrow. Better jump on it. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I just light my money on fire. Okay. <laughs> skyfish air rods solar entities these are some of the the terms for rods which essentially are we've kind of vaguely described them here you guys but they're elongated i love this this is just from wikipedia but it's it's very much it's it's basically perfect they're elongated visual artifacts that mm-hmm. have appeared in various different Im- images photos videos at and they you know they seemed paranormal to some people paranormal proponents claimed them to be potentially extraterrestrial life forms interdimensional extra dimensional creatures miniature like drone like ufos among other things so these are what rods are but could this in any way be true hmm and can i can you elaborate on the idea of like a, a visual artifact so something obviously that remains on film and mm-hmm. or yeah, it's basically like an it's a camera that's trying to interpret what it's seeing, and sometimes it produces things that it basically creates because it doesn't know how to interpret it. And usually, these things, these artifacts, are very close to the lens. <laughs> so, so yeah, this was super prominent. Like Adam said, this was this was a big deal back in the day. Mm-hmm. And you know, if the lodge, if Lodge nineteen oh eight. I, I mean, I'm sure the original doors of Lodge 1908 have their origins in some vast, ancient, distant society in the jungles of ancient Sumeria or something. But we've just reopened them now, so we didn't talk about. We're just talking about rods now. We weren't. We weren't really participating in the heyday of uh, Jose uh, Escamila, who's the you know the rod expert mm. who they have on that Monster Quest episode. That was that guy's absolute pinnacle. It was. He was loving. He probably it. rewatches that episode like twice a week minimum. Probably. Is that the one where they have like the the big model of what they say the rod? Yes, they do. Like, they yeah. have. Uh, they, they they speak with a uh, Cambridge, mm-hmm. like an insectologist uh, or yeah, something, yeah, and paleontologist or something, or it was something. Yeah, he was talking about these ancient insects that yeah. could explain the behavior of rods in the sense that they, they didn't really have flying characteristics, but they could kind of like float. He basically showed exactly what they look like mm-hmm. or exactly what these artifacts, these visual artifacts look like. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was interesting, which also plays into my devil's advocate explanation. So we'll yes. keep, keep going here. Xamarin has some other interesting points. Well, exactly. Cause I kind of just want to like walk you two through some of the theories here. 
And because we need to be prepared, everyone, because we need to be prepared. <laughs> yes, for the rods. We don't really. Like, everyone know. thinks the invasion's coming. It's already here. It's been. It's here. It's, it's like they happening. live, man. Yeah. It's like they live. It is like they live, and it kind of reminds me of another X Files episode. That's like you know, you remember the one where they go into the forest and they have those like the the clouds of those like they look like phosphorescent green insects that basically yes. cocoon yes. their victims. Oh, so creepy. Oh, that's so it could it was be like a mu- like mushroom spores. Yeah, like yeah, totally. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It was disgusting. And so Devours my them. next question here is like, could we be under attack? Okay, let's walk through some of the theories though, because. There are some more mundane explanations, and like Andrew already alluded to, could this all be a trick of the lens? The idea that modern cameras produce these quote-unquote artifacts when they're interpreting subjects, usually very close to the lens, like we already said. And this is interesting because we, when you look at a lot of the footage of rods, you'll see what appears to be a double set of wings, or even a triple set of wings. And you're not really sure, because usually the image is quite pixelated, not uh, very, you know, in focus. Uh-huh. So we're not really sure what we're seeing here, but some people have actually proposed that this could actually be produced by the camera itself. Of course. The idea, you know, when a high-speed object passes through the field of the camera lens, it produces these doubles. And an obvious example, think of, a, you know, a high-speed car traveling through and it being captured on video. It right. appears to have four sets of wheels instead of of two so people have actually thought this could explain it but for some including jose escamila this does not fully explain rods with three or more sets of wings and there are images where it appears to be like even like six sets of wings like there's all sorts of it almost looks like a um centipede or something you know what i mean it kind of does I will say this too. Proponents of the existence of rods claim that technology has actually improved the documentation of rods. So I'm not really sure what that means. And I haven't actually (laughs) been able to pull up any of his own footage. But Jose Escamilia says that he's used infrared filters and high speed footage to actually capture rods at a more... Uh, this like, uh, less pixelated, more like you know, to, to actually secure the existence of these things. What do you guys make of that, Adam? <laughs> Just like I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> do you want my my satirical response, Please. or do you want my truthful response? I want both. Let's skip both in any order you prefer. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, uh, cameras got better. Because the the black ops team that keeps rods uh, from from being known to the public, they they funneled all this money into making cameras and technology better, so we would have a harder time seeing them. So you can only see them now if you get special cameras. That's why <laughs> that's sense. why they stopped being seen when lenses became you know faster and the images became more clear. God, so this is like a, a a deep. <laughs> deep cover-up um so like if if you really want to see these things you got to go old school and buy like a camera from 1992 off of ebay and um get back out there and like hard hard film um you want to take it to walgreens or something and get like the the pictures developed right there like that's the only way you're gonna you're gonna get back into the rods we will bring you um, on the show that like we will bring that person on the show get them developed they, they, they need like they need to get the proof out there 
Now, um, for my my other answer is they're bugs. They're just bugs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's they just are. like I. Do you remember? I remember being younger and, um, you know, like, ooh, we're, we're seeing some fireworks. I'm going to take a picture of a firework. And, like, having one of those crappy Kodak disposable cameras. Mm-hmm. And you take a picture of it and you see the firework. You see, like, a second image of the firework. You see, like, a trail of the firework falling down. Because the camera's like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And it's like, if you get a bug that's so close to the lens and you take that picture and it's flying by faster, you're going to see that bug like mm. multiple times. And it looks like a big old centipede, but yes, man. <laughs> yeah. Great example. It, it, that's, that's, that's actually beautiful, Adam. And going back to like, yeah, personal experiences. Like I loved the crappy old, like disposable cameras when I was a kid. So I was taking so many photos and I definitely got that same effect. Not even like I remember. <laughs> I used to spy on my neighbors. I get like all sorts of stupid footage. <laughs> They're like walking away, or or some woman jogging down the street, and she's all. <laughs> but yeah, that's that is ultimately what it comes down to. Because in the Monster Quest, we do see a lot of high speed footage, and it is like you know obviously like slowed way to f down, mm. and it shows how these rod images can be produced by motion blur. And a lot of the times it is nothing more than a moth or uh, like any sort of bug you can think of, or even like a bird, actually. Isn't that just the perfect cover for the rods? <laughs> How just make yourself look like a bird or a bug on the, on the screen or the camera lens, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's perfect. And it, did they ever say like how big these rods are, like these ancient insects that these could be? Yeah. Because so like if they're just floating, they're going to land on the ground, and I've never seen one of these things on the ground before. Right. <laughs> That's the. I think that is also one of the. Well, okay. Well, so, the, so these I ancient think, ones, the the ones that the, the in the model, it was you know it's quite large. It's like you know, but it's, it's meant to be a model. I know, but I think like I think a lot of these are actually like protozoan, like very simple, single celled for the most part. But I could be wrong. But a lot of ancient insects were, well, of course, very, yeah. Obviously, not everything is massive dinosaur size just because it's because <laughs> it's ancient. But yeah, they're yeah okay okay fine. There, yeah, I I actually don't have an exact dimension though so i don't know well, speaking of dimension it could have been way bigger than the simple that, single zone. That, that's what i'm getting at here though i think it might just be a perspective issue for us for the viewer of mm. the rods mm-hmm. okay because you're saying they're slipping through dimensions well there's some people who have proposed that these that these sky creatures as monster quest calls is them, that some people you well is, it's 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 <laughs> monster quest actually and, uh, and i'm regurgitating and it Andrew. but i i do like to, i do tend to lean this way and lodge new new lodge members will discover this as well but that's what some people have said and including this jose escamila where you know one of the proposed theories is that the we see them in such fleeting moments in such weird you know artifacts on the camera like you would a bug because they are just sort of like a little it's a flicker it's a flicker from another dimension and so and and it's funny so i'm just going to jump straight to this because this is just the fun devil's advocate thing i wanted to play because it is just fun but the i believe it was the very most recently released uh, episode of the kryptonaut podcast and shout out uh to the kryptonaut boys where they talked about sky creatures sky beasts but essentially like they're all 
more or less invisible for the most part. Um, and then, and then there's these bizarre stories and experiences where people see, you know, whatever, a sky ray or like, it gets pretty wild and wacky mm-hmm. out there, but it just, it was interesting because it got me thinking and they ended up talking about it too. Just this idea of like, well, shit, what if there's this, you know, one dimensional layer difference and there is really like, basically like picture like an ocean floor teeming with life, but it's in the sky and our air traffic and everything is just accidentally shredding the shit out of this stuff when they skip into our dimension for two seconds by accident. That's crazy. And they're actually peaceful. Yeah. And the rods maybe as well. Well, they're not entirely no, peaceful. No, the rods would they're not peaceful. The rods would not be peaceful. No, okay, Don't even spread. <laughs> maybe they're getting neither, into my head. Neither would a taming ocean environment because that is like that's bloodlust. Like everything's going after each other. Obviously, there's a like you know. Yeah, but it's, I'm talking like screen order as here. a screensaver. It looks nice. That that is something like I could get behind. Like that whole you know we can't see the other layers around us, so. <laughs> For all we know, mm-hmm. there could be one right there right? that can't interact with us. So it's like, while it sounds like science fiction, when you hear like scientists and stuff saying it's like, yeah, there are multiple dimensions out there, but we haven't developed the technology to see those spectrums yet. But we know that they're there. It's just kind of like, okay, you're you're solidifying that that belief a little bit. So. That's another one, like the boneless man. It's like you can't put all your eggs in one basket for it when you have this other basket that makes just as much sense. So, yeah, maybe they might be out here, Mm -hmm. but I will put all of my eggs in the basket that rods are not peaceful. Rods are not something to get along with, and they are dastardly creatures. Mm, I think think Jose Escamilo would definitely agree with you on that, Adam. And before we get into uh, just a final word from our uh, self-proclaimed rod expert, I wanted to bring up one other final thing. And they had this really interesting analogy. It was brought up on the monster quest episode. And basically it's the idea of perhaps the way that we see rods is very incomplete. We're not seeing the entire picture when they just happen to show up in our like three dimensional world, so to speak. But they use this analogy of a, like a two dimensional world. And I think we've seen this in other examples too, but it just, it's just an idea of like trying to dislocate your perspective and it's the idea of like a two-dimensional world seeing a sphere just drop through their world. And we know a sphere is a ball, like, you know, a sphere is a sphere. They know a sphere is a circle. So the way when it drops through, they're only seeing that one sliver of the entire picture. And so some people have like kind of proposed that as like, you know, more of like a philosophical explanation as to what these rods could be. But I thought that was kind of fun. And um, that's really cool. Yeah. I think that's like, at the very least they're sparking a conversation and that's what the lodge is for. Exactly. And I think it's best to finish off with this because this is a quote and I think it it definitely plays into what you're saying, Adam, and just sort of everyone needs to be on, on relatively high alert here. This phenomena, this is a quote from Jose Escamilla. This phenomena is real. And for those of you who don't believe in it, that's your prerogative. You can believe what you want or disbelieve, but the fact is these things are here. They're doing something here. We don't know what they do, but they are doing it. End quote. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's it. It's they very nefarious. We man. don't know what they do, but they're doing it. 
There we go. They're doing them. They're very, very untrustworthy. <laughs> very untrustworthy. They something. come across as. <laughs> oh man, devious. It's things. like when you have Nate. It's when you have neighbors moved in, but like you don't want to go over there and meet them, but you're just watching them through your blinds, and you're like, they're doing something over there. <laughs> we don't, I don't know. know the rods move though. in next door. Just can't trust them. Oh, damn. They're everywhere. Disgusting. Just wait a second. Just out of sheer coincidence, now your next door neighbors will move. Somebody will move in. Their last name will be Rod, like R A U D or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Like and you that. won't be able to trust them, buddy. This is an infiltration. It's happening. Because he's doing some over there, but what's he doing? He's doing something. Every time I try to take a picture, because I learned that from young Amber spying on her neighbors. Every time I try to take a picture with my 1993 Kodak instant film, I can't catch them. They got like eight legs and... They're 12 feet long. Could you imagine how horrific that would be, though? Like, that's such a perfect thing. It's like you, you are a potential walking X-Files episode, right? Because of... <laughs> Because, especially after this conversation, I mean, that would just be perfect. It would be like the guy, I think we brought, did we bring this up last time? The guy, uh, the episode, I mean, well, is this just turning into an X-Files podcast too? Probably. Where where there's the, the guy who freaks out in the workplace and he's the only one who can see his boss is like an insect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Love that episode. Yeah. It's all very yep, similar stuff. That. Well, folks, I think that's time uh, for us to transition from Rod's topic one here uh, at the Lodge to something else and adam i know you had several several things i don't think they're adjacent to rods they may or may not be completely no one thing one thing people will learn about the lodge is that there's it's it's literally just a coming together place to just talk about weird stuff none of it has to link up of course in any way it's it's the stuff that it's like you don't have enough information to like devote one episode to but you have enough information where you can like talk about it so absolutely and one of the things that when i started getting like real upset with like cryptozoology and stuff like that like i just stopped looking for specific cryptid stories and i just opened up the door it's like i'm just looking for weird stuff So I came across two, like, these are two very short instances, but one of them I actually have in oddities oddities in print. And another one I came across completely by chance in a 1953 issue of Fate magazine. And they're almost about the exact same thing. And I think it was wild. And I figured, you know, this is a perfect time or perfect place to share like these two weird stories. But uh, it's about pieces of clothing um, that find dead bodies. Oh, creepy. And there's actually another one. I I can't think of it offhand, but it's about a piece of bread that finds um, a dead body. But so a piece of bread. So this first one took place in 1908. And the the headline is called Hat Finds Boy's Body. And... It it took place in Eola, Louisiana, July 19th, uh, sinking directly over the spot where the body of Claire Ho- Hoshel was lying on the bed of Bayou Buff. The hat belonging to the dead boy accomplished what a tireless search of hours on the part of expert swimmers and divers had failed to do. Uh, so, so what had happened, just to, just to talk about this, is this boy died 
Um, people tried to find him. His parents tried to find him. They couldn't. This man came up to them and said, um, the, the boy who died, take his hat and put it into the stream. The hat would then float down and it would stop above the boy's body. So they did this and the hat did exactly what the guy said it would. It stopped and uh, they they dove down beneath the hat and they found the body of the boy in the river. Now, flash forward to 1953, the story that appears in Fate magazine is called Socks Find a Missing Body. And this one says that Airman Third Class Vernon R. Scott, who is 22, drowned when he dove into 20 feet of water in the Piney River near Beckley, West Virginia. A search party was led by Sheriff John Ward, and he hunted for Scott's body for half an hour without success. Then Deputy Sheriff Ray McRae threw a pair of the victim's socks into the water, explaining that they would sink at the spot where the body was located. The socks sank in a few minutes, and the missing airman was found at the exact spot where the socks went down. <laughs> Bizarre. Those are super cool. The first one you just mentioned there, Adam, was one that rang really familiar with me because I actually noted that <laughs> when I first read through um, yeah. Oddities in Print. I can't wait. I may have been misremembering though. I thought, because like my initial assumption in that story because I watch a lot of uh, case files or watch in my head. Actually, it's a podcast. So <laughs> I listen to a lot of case files, but that's like a true crime podcast. And I instantly interpreted that as a very suspicious situation between a young boy and his employer. I believe they were down at the river, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the page number in front of me right now, so I can't actually refer to the article itself. But Andrew, I remember I mentioned this to you after mm -hmm. I read it, and I was like, well, this is just like a cold-blooded murder. And basically, <laughs> like I interpreted that as the boy was down at the river with his employer, who was another man. And something happened down at that river, and that boy ended up drowned. And they couldn't find him for a long time. Or not a long time. I guess it was a couple days or something, or maybe a few hours. I don't know how long mm -hmm. the search was going on. Mm -hmm. And then that was when it was suggested by... I thought it was actually a woman that suggested that they use the hat. But I could be wrong. I haven't read the article for probably a month now. And then when they did that, yeah, exactly what you said, where it floated down to him. But I just interpreted that as a case of, like, not a who done it really. I was like, this is pretty obvious. Like <laughs> this guy like probably murdered this kid, <laughs> and I felt really bad about the whole thing. So I was hey, like, well, this you is called, not uh, very paranormal. You you had the entire uh, death on the Nile figure in the first. Five yeah, minutes. I put on my Poirot hat for that one. <laughs> No spoilers though on Lodge nineteen oh eight. Still new, still relatively new. No, it, yeah. it says that like it says the young man like he got a cramp and uh, <sighs> he, ended up, he ended up drowning. No, no, Amber doesn't trust. I don't anyone trust that. Anything. I think I think probably the man tried to make a move on the boy and the boy tried, refused him and then there you go. That's Literally, my Amber, personal. Uh, the the you first, know, the first, the knee jerk reaction for everything. I think even if people aren't married, is it's the spouse. Mm -hmm. It was the spouse. All right. Adam, do you, did you have any other cases that you had to read? Um, if you don't, I have those. Well, I've the, got something I can jump into. No, those were the two that like stuck out to me. Um, 
recently. Okay. So, do we have any other speculation on that though? Like magical articles of clothing? Like, well, is I think this we just should. like is this some sort of like witch lore? Is this like are these both from the South, Adam? Where were these located again? I can't actually. No, one of them was in Louisiana. One of them was in West Virginia. Okay. West Virginia. Okay. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like it's like it's like a weird. The Louisiana one kind of makes sense if it, if you're thinking of like. I feel like New Orleans, like magic magic. and voodoo and all that kind of stuff from down there. It's like body dowsing with clothes. See, and and that makes sense, though, because like you have a lot of these like old stories and stuff where people are like, oh, they've gone missing. And they're like, well, give me a a piece of their clothing or give me an object that they had. Or if you have any of their hair, Mm -hmm. like and I can find them based off of that. So it's kind of like this is just another way of doing that, except you're letting the water dictate where it's going and it's using like that person's mm-hmm. article to like channel where it's going. Yeah. Do I know if these are true? Not no. at all. They could be completely made up, but it's interesting that I came across two of them, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. 20 plus years apart in yeah. different parts of the country, like about the same thing. I actually, I had like something else besides the whole like murder, like theory thing. Like when I was like reading into that first, cause I actually didn't come across the one with the socks, but I came across the one with the hat for sure. And I kind of just thought I was like, wait a second, like maybe there is something in the fluid dynamics of the river system that actually pulls things like matter down at a certain point. Like maybe there's some sort of suction or some sort of, whirlpooling or something going on in that section of the river that actually makes things sink, which would allow the hat to sink, the socks to sink, the body to sink, which would be easy to find. So if you put the hat in the same place where the body originally went under, you might actually be able to track where it might be suctioned down. I do not have a science background. I'm not going to preface that with any sort of credentials. (laughs) Just an idea. What do you guys think? Oh, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know. It's just an idea. Just... It Honestly, the idea makes as much sense as like any other idea for it. It's like Occam's razor I, kind of thing, you know, like how else could you I, explain it? I think, I think, yeah, yeah. Occam's razor. Yeah, that's, that's, I guess I should, I mean, I might bring that up in my next paranormal area of the grievances. Actually, I'll use that for episode two. <laughs> but you know, what's, you know, what's weird about these two stories for me is just the fact that like, and I guess that could be said about a lot of these short you know, short accounts of things. It's like, it never seems as if anyone's really trying to drive home. That's something out that really crazy is going on here. It's always like a subtle suggestion. And, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, for, for Adam, for you to find them in two, you know, different, you know, different places and mm-hmm. different, whatever it's, it is just weird. Decades and it's not apart. like, and it's not like someone being like, Oh, there was, you know, I don't know. Like who, yeah. Cause like who would have the ability to like, make that happen in reality who would right? know that like is <laughs> this like, old wives tales like that's kind of my it's question. just a weird story yeah it's a weird story to know it's mm-hmm. a weird story to tell mm-hmm. for sure but it's not like so weird by the details given that you're just like i can't exactly that. yeah so it's like did it just was it a total fluke like did these two things actually happen and people the people watching them happen actually believed that they were happening and it was just shit luck like just total fluke. Like a, a hat actually did end up right over top. Like Amber said, like mm-hmm. over top of a little like whirlpool or whatever. Right, the socks. Oh. Like it was just total. Well, fluke. it could. 
it, it could make sense too, because it's like, yeah, there could have been, um, you know, some disturbance in the water, whether it been like an underground, like branch or log or something that was creating suction there. And the hat would naturally float down there. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see that if you if you put like leaves in a creek or whatever, and you can see where they're going to get pulled down because everything else is subtly being pulled that way. Right. So it's like, realistically, yeah, that could be an explanation for it. But it's like for the old guy to come out and be like, did you put his hat in the water? It's like, <laughs> where did you learn that from? <clears throat> like, That's where are my you question. getting your yeah. old- and like even the 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 deputy in the 1953 one, it's like, did you learn that from like some older relative? It's like oh, if you if you're trying to find a body in water, put their socks in there. <laughs> well, is that? And then, well, what's your take on like legit? It's 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 body dowsing with clothes. Like that's basically what it is. I mean, yeah. like, what's your take on water dowsing? I mean, we've seen videos of people do it i've never been in person with someone but it would be really interesting to do an experiment you know just just to see if they can actually pull it off in an area where it would be like not easy to do or whatever you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. what's your take on that adam i think it's i think that it's really weird and it's not weird where it's like this is unbelievable Mm -hmm. because yeah i've seen like the videos and and stuff too and i've seen you know they did that whole um in search of episode on it. And they were like following the people around and just like the way they react to it. And they're just like, there's something here. And then, and yeah, you don't know what goes on in the editing process and stuff. But sure. It's like, for the most part, they were pretty close to what they were saying was there. So is it some sort of weird feeling that they're just like, you know, kind of showboating about or like, yeah, I'm going to add this and this and this. And rather than I'm just picking up on a vibration or something like that, who knows? Mm -hmm. But I think there's a little something to it, but what that something is, it's like, I have no idea. Some sort of of intuition. Yeah. Like even people that, cause like we live right by a very large body of water and definitely people drown every year in it. And I've definitely recalled stories from past years of the people that search for those bodies. And of course they use like thermal imaging. They use all sorts of things to kind of like aid their recovery. Like they drag nets and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes it is intuition with those people. And they like, you know what? I was like, we we already searched this place once, but we went back because I just had a feeling Mm -hmm. and then we found them like, you know, yeah, and Maybe it is a combination of that. And so like the socks and the hat are like that. That's like the extreme example where it's almost like it's like a physically manifested intuition. Mm-hmm. Like the item itself was, it almost feels what, like ha- was touched by some sort of like it, it, it because all this yeah. is like impossible to pinpoint. Like, well, like the Taoist, or even right? or even the idea of the spirit of the person themselves leading that object that is so imbued with their own energies, ooh, right? Ooh, like you know, and all the idea of like them like it's just a magnetic force I'm, that we haven't said magnetism. That yet. Really glad you said that. It's like the spirit of the actual deceased guiding the object. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. reason that those objects yeah. work is because they were formerly of, you know. And in the case of the first victim that you brought up, um, Adam, there, in the first story of the boy drowning, I kind of thought it may be that. That was my other intuition point that I didn't bring up because obviously <laughs> But, like, to support it. But just the idea of, like, maybe that boy really wanted to be found so that maybe his killer could be brought to justice. <laughs> that was my kind of, like, feeling on that story. Yeah. And- and honestly, like if, if you go by that route, it's like 
the hat and the socks would make sense because those would be the easiest things um, to throw in there. Like you're not going to throw someone's shirt in because too big. A pair, a, a sock is not big. A hat is something easily thrown in there. So it's kind of like that's not out of mm-hmm. that's not that wild when you think about it. And of course, it's like because it's so easily thrown in there. Could that be something that that spirit could grab? easier or direct easier because it's not a large Mm -hmm. item it's just something like there's enough that i can pull that this way here it goes and what's interesting too though it's like they don't get into it if a lot of things are pulled down into a whirlpool you'll see them get pulled down especially like in a river or a creek and all of a sudden they'll pop up like further down a bit it's like did these stay right down there did they like hook onto the body Mm -hmm. I wonder. Like, that would be crazy if it linked back up with the body. <laughs> I wonder, yeah. Or yeah, did it just get epic. sucked away just underneath the right. surface? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Once again, we're lacking details <laughs> This here. makes me want to look for more, I know, right? more stories mm-hmm. like this. It, well, like our return to the rods from last episode there, I mean, we might need to do a return to the clothes. We might have to. Might have to. That'd be cool. <laughs> and this just opened up a, like a whole a whole thing like I never would have thought about before. No. There you go. That's what there, the lodge is for. And <laughs> absolutely. And if okay, I'm trying to remember what it was, and I just I can't freaking put my finger on it, but wasn't there a cartoon in the nineties with like a haunted pair of pants? <gasps> no, it was uh it, Dr. Seuss. It Dr. was the, Seuss. The, the green pants with nobody inside That's them. That right. was my absolute favorite Dr. Seuss story. There you go. And That's they there were just waltzing around and nobody inside them. That was spooky. <laughs> the entire, I loved it because it was so scary. I mean, that isn't exactly what we've been talking about with these two <laughs> two stories. <laughs> But for some reason, that's what it made me think of. Now, okay, I do have a story picked out um, from Oddities in Print. And just so everyone knows, Lodge 1908 is wholeheartedly sponsored by the uh, In Print series, which you can get on Amazon, and we'll have a link in the show notes for each lodge. It's very uh, episode. I heard the <laughs> But I wanted to bring I heard the up. guy who, like, made those... I, I heard he's not like a trustworthy source. I heard he's like really into rock. <laughs> he's or, he's already been over. He's good in our box, so you know. <laughs> yeah, well, we might have to bring on someone else just to be like a a devil's advocate. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we can't just have three. No, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. No, Adam, I had to bring this up because very much like the rods, actually, and and its resurgence with uh, discussions on Twitter. There's a few hollow earth comments recently which i enjoyed and obviously we've covered the hollow earth i think it was on patreon Mm -hmm. i believe most people listening to into the portal and indeed the lodge will be very familiar with hollow earth theories and you know probably seen some films and stuff like that you know with brendan Fraser or whatever (laughs) uh but (laughs) you know what? Admiral what? Bird. What Brendan Fraser film? Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh, yeah, Journey okay. To the of the Earth. Pretty recent. Actually, I don't even know if I've actually seen that. Movie. I've never seen it. <laughs> I actually just watched it like last Are you serious? Really? Yeah, I just threw it on for that Okay, best moment from that movie. Go. Uh, when they're falling down and uh, like when, they're fall- when the ground breaks and they fall to the center of the Earth. And he's just stopping. He's like, we're still falling. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I have that seen that movie. Okay, I remember You've that. seen it then? Okay, I have I remember seen that. Okay. Well, Damn, we got to watch Frazier it. We were going to watch a Leprechaun later tonight just because it's uh, St. Patty's Day. But, yeah. Patty's, yeah. 
maybe we'll watch that instead. Maybe leprechauns will be the next discussion on the lodge. Okay. And they may or may not dwell in the hollow earth, just like giants and many other things. And uh, the ancient reptilians. That's right. Mm -hmm. Underground. And the Atlanteans. The Atlanteans, yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Maybe the Liberians. The Liberians. Come on. Let's not leave anyone out here. The Atlanteans are in their own place. Let's not. They're well above the. But I had to bring this up because (laughs) it just came up again, and I was like, okay, it's a classic mystery. Like I've just said already, like everyone's already you know familiar about with it, and it's crazy, right? In so many ways. But I dare say, there could be some juicy nuggets to some of these, of to some of the madness. Because one thing I've said, and I'll say it again, said before, and I'll say it again, it's like. Hollow, completely, completely hollow, like a basketball, is different, of course, than discovering, you know, vast, unknown city-sized caverns and tunnel systems and other things like this. So, but this was a fun one. I agree. The Earth's Chimney was the title of this. Uh, Oh, I remember. Oh, it's just so much fun and actually doesn't serve me very well uh, for the... For the point I just made. <laughs> okay, uh, October Going 3rd, forward here. 1870, <laughs> plowing forward, that's what we do. Yep. The Lodge, we'll have another slogan for that. Kansas, <laughs> October 3rd, 1872, from the, uh, is it the uh, the Saline, <laughs> the Saline Co- County Journal? Probably Saline. I think a Saline? I, yeah, something like that. Yeah. All right. And Uh-oh. now comes Dr. Money. What? What a sick name. I don't know if you could trust that doctor. Dr. Money of Los Angeles. You definitely can't trust this guy. Mm -mm. He's from Los Angeles. What is he doing? Plastic surgery in 1870. What date is this? Sorry. Okay. I digress. What date? And now comes Dr. Money. What date? 1872. 1872. Okay. I think that's the fifth time I've said it. Okay. (laughs) Dr. Money of Los Angeles (laughs) and explains the warm ocean currents to his entire satisfaction. He's really into this. He has a map of the current and its contributing forces, which he intends to send to Washington. The doctor's theory is that the earth is hollow and has a chimney passing through it from north to south. This is where Admiral Byrd flew into everyone. All right. The waters enter into the immense water pipe by way of the ocean uh, of the open polar sea and plunge through the center of the earth between central fires. This keeps the fires within proper bounds and gives them salt to feed on and receives matter in the passage that keeps the stream from mixing it with the ocean water. At the South Pole, it divides into two streams, one taking the Atlantic and the other to the Pacific Ocean back to the North Pole. So the communication with the central fires of the earth is constantly maintained, and those fires fed and managed by means of this system of waterworks. And thus the world is kept from getting too hot or too cold by the action of its own elements. Dr. Money is a, Scot- uh, is a Scotchman who has traveled much and has studied much, okay, and, <laughs> much. Is, a, and is a thorough <laughs> naturalist. Okay. He lives like a hermit and has garnished his lonely abode with strange drawings and maps illustrating the uh, results of his studies. He does, uh, his designs comprise uh, his designs comprise of drawings of ancient architecture, the secrets of the pyramids, the geography of the United of the United States 400 years ago, what the earth produced uh, in different sections and where the aboriginal tribes uh, dwelt, and also a map representing the various epochs of christianity okay 
Well, guys, we are back. Hollow Earth hot tub time machine furnace. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You, I, well, of course you do. I mean, it would be, oh, yeah, well, that would have made the journey for Brendan Fraser a lot more interesting. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Just I don't like, know. What do you What do you make of this album? I honestly, the Hollow Earth stuff. I don't put a lot of credibility into it because it like. Like the more we learn about the earth and stuff, it's like, eh, that's, that would seem pretty implausible, but I love the stories about it. They're so, they're so much fun. Totally. And like the, the idea of having a big, just fireball in the middle where water is falling down onto it and then coming out the other side is fantastic. (laughs) But it also like makes me think of like, it's not too far off than these modern stories of like hidden caves in the grand Canyon that the government will you go to. It's like, if the government isn't letting us go to these caves, why would they let us go to the entrance to the hollow earth or the chimney of the hollow earth? So very true. I want to hmm. believe you want to believe I I'm having trouble though. I'm personally, troubles. I'm having a lot of troubles here because I'm trying to picture basically a sun within the earth. It's kind of what he's like, you know, the, the internal furnace running this whole shebang or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And just the idea that like, I feel like we'd have a lot more steam <laughs> a lot more yeah. that coming out as opposed to ice at the poles. Like where, where is he getting the ice from is my central uh, argument here. Well, I think it must, <laughs> it must, it must just come up, you know, in the depths of the ocean. I think what is thermal you... vents or something. Really? I don't know. Okay, I'm well, you're saying. defending it, all right? No, I'm just speculating. To, for, uh, I'm just, you know. Well, you also, you also got to remember, too, there's not like, when people think of hollow earth, they're just thinking of one thing. But there's like hollow earth and then concave earth as well. So the concave mm. earth, I believe that more represents this. Or wait, what is the one where we live, like there's a society directly on the underside of the crust and there's a star in the middle. Oh yeah. What, uh, and then there's a classic image that we've posted mm -hmm. on the, on our Instagram and stuff before where it's like, yeah. yeah, It's, and then there's one where there's like a landmass in the middle. Yeah. And then like stars and stuff are along the crust. And those are like spots that point through the crust and you're seeing like the light from outside. So there's two different ones. So it works with one of them. It does not work with the no, other one. No, that's very true. <laughs> Whichever very ones true. they are. Right. Mm. You know, I actually, I, I came across an interesting idea on this one. <laughs> Hollow Earth blog. <laughs> Went down some rabbit holes. Uh, but it was fun. But it was it was interesting. It was just sort of this idea that, like, you know, we, I've mentioned it before when it came up with, like, the um, the Diprotodon and the Bunyip, like, this massive creature uh, in Australia that was reported to exist, you know, blah, 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 super aggressive, aquat- semi-aquatic thing. And, you know, our conclusion with that was, like, you know, it was probably just, like, this, you know, long-lasting indigenous memory from the Aborigines who probably did live amongst, you know, these sized things in the... Um, oh, God, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the epoch, the proper epoch, but when... You know, pe- people were still living with massive birds and, you know, giant lizards and these types of things. But the Pleistocene. The Pleistocene. Yeah, the Pleistocene. Yeah. Sort of the tail end of the Pleistocene era. 
but this this uh, blog talking about the hollow earth is sort of proposing something similar, but I, I guess it, it sort of requires an alien visitation element because it's sort of this idea of like, well, what if sort of this prehistory era of humans, like essentially the Nephilim, if you really want to get biblical with it or whatever, were from a place or had experiences with other planets, you know, that did have this feature of a hollow earth. And now this is just this like very distant interpretation of now any basically of, of our earth you know what, you know what i'm saying and i was mm. like oh that's crazy thought it was kind of a fun idea i guess mm. if there were ancient aliens living on earth that survived the flood <laughs> and were hanging out maybe that would make sense i guess you could survive the flood if you were floating above it in your spaceship. Very, very true. <laughs> or you're on that peak of wherever where Noah's Got Ark ended up. <laughs> a spaceship yacht. You're just ready it's to survive. Mount Ararat, I believe it was. It's a, a so it's, it's wild and crazy and wacky. I'm not saying I buy into it, but I just thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of the Hollow Earth, I was listening to an old episode of Art Bell, and there was a woman who was just on it talking about Atlantis. And when Atlantis fell, it actually cracked through the Earth and dropped into the hollow Earth, which protected them. And they've been flourishing inside the hollow Earth all this time. But they almost got wiped out with their war with the Lemurians 50,000 years ago. Right. But they're still down there waiting to rise again. They're so like the rods, do with that information man. Well, will they will. partner with the rods is the question. <laughs> exactly. Who an alliance going Maybe on. the rods are their drones. That would make sense. And okay, mm-hmm. no, that's they're actually, we're joking around, but that's actually treaded into like legit conspiracy theory territory. <laughs> like that is what people would say. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, Uh-oh. yeah. <laughs> right? Like that is what people would Uh-oh. say, that these are alien drones, Atlantean drones, mm-hmm. if you want it. What? <laughs> well, they're like literally like the spy bot where it's like literally a fly cam. Where you can like, you know, we've had jokes about that even in Spy, that uh, movie with uh, what's her name, oh, the, that hilarious Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, Melissa McCarthy. Where they literally have like a spy bot. Like this is your, like the the alien versions are microscopic. We can only catch them fleetingly on our own technology, right? You can't capture them on human eyes. And they're just spying on some guy cave cave diving in Mexico. Because <laughs> that's the place to be. <laughs> right? They're not. You don't want to like, be in high, the Pentagon. Yeah. You don't. You don't. You want to be in the caves. They've got really good technology to spy. They just don't have great technology in terms of like placing it where they want it to go. They don't have good intel. <laughs> right. <laughs> they need better intel. They're like, we need to watch this zipline company in Honduras. We have to. <laughs> They're up to no good. There's probably one in the lodge. Exactly. Oh, shit, it's so. probably just watching. I think we should probably just get one made up. Ar- we should get uh, a Nick to actually like 3D print one. Okay, actually, Adam, for you and your collection of weird stuff. I'm gonna. We're gonna get Nick to design that, and we're gonna get it printed for the lodge here. And limited release. We'll do like ten of them. Oh, could that be our mascot? Yes. Ro- the Rod. Rodney Rod. Rodney Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Something Rodman. That'd be great. He's a Bulls fan. Rodney Rodman. Rodney Rodman. <laughs> That's not bad. It's settled. It's settled. That's great. <laughs> That's good. This first episode is it's it's proving to be fantastic. <laughs> I, I I I I couldn't agree more. I've enjoyed this, this been, immensely. This has been I, great. I feel like we're we're pretty much coming down to the. Well, uh, the I end have of this one meeting. little quick okay. blip of a story I kind of want to share. Okay. And this, I'll I'll make it quick. 
But no it rush. really reminded me of the Philadelphia Experiment episode that we covered uh, back in 2021. I think Ooh, it was like okay. August or September. And uh, oh, I think you think you know this one. I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Does it deal with a ship? It really does. <laughs> it, it goes by the name of Sailors Prayed. And it's on 512 of yeah, these in print. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So the byline is here. Uh, Strange phenomenon frightened the crew of a British ship. Everything was magnetized. All right. Philadelphia, August 1st. As the British ship Mohican made for the Delaware Breakway Sunday... According to the captain and crew, it encountered a strange phenomenon. Captain Urquhart says, quote, I noticed a strange gray cloud at a distance and watched it as it came near. The vessel and its crew, or sorry, the vessel and crew had a fiery coating before the sailors saw it. When they did see it, they rushed about the deck in consternation. I looked at the needle and it was flying around like an electric fan. I ordered several of the crew to move the iron chain lying on the deck, <clears throat> thinking it would divert their attention. But as the sailors could not budge the chains, or sorry, the sailors could not budge the chains, although it did not weigh more than 75 pounds, everything was magnetized. The chains, bolts, spikes, and bars tight to the deck as if they'd been riveted. The frightened sailors fell on the deck and prayed. The hair of our heads and beards stuck out like bristles. We noticed that it became difficult to move our arms and legs. And then suddenly, the cloud began to lift. The phosphorescent glow of the ship and the crew began to fade. Gradually, the magnetism of the steel died. And at the same time, the stiffness of the hair fell or left. <laughs> in a few minutes, the cloud had passed over the vessel and we saw it move off over sea. End quote. <clears throat> so is that like electronic fog? Like what are your guys' thoughts on that? That sounds very much like electronic fog. Freaky, man. But it also sounds almost sentient the way it came and went so quickly. But that's what electronic mm-hmm. fog kind of does. Like Adam, what are your initial thoughts on that? Or, or Yeah. Honest, like it reminds me, there's a specific story. I can't remember what it was, but it deals with, it essentially deals with like an element related to time travel, but not time travel. But it was that dude, um, you probably know what I'm talking about. Some guy was like leaving his hotel and he was on a business trip. He was leaving his hotel. He drove out and he drove into some fog and like this, this fog was dense and all of a sudden it lifted and he was in a completely different state, mm-hmm. like five hours passed, but instantaneously. Yeah. And it's like it almost has that same feel to it. Like that's the type of fog that would do that. Only the ship was too big to do it to. Right. So it's just like it felt the effects like it was trying to do something, but it couldn't. Yeah. Totally. Like – this story actually really reminded me of, I think it was just called Electronic Fog. It was an episode on Astonishing Legends. And they actually interviewed a guy that was on a plane going from, oof, I, it was somewhere in the Florida, what's that uh, gulf called in? It's like the... Like it's, oh, the Gulf of Mexico? Yeah. yeah like it, 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Florida's in there. And he was basically traveling from an island, I think, to Florida and passed through this electronic fog. And essentially, he traveled a distance of hundreds of kilometers in distance of like 10 minutes. And he couldn't explain yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So that's like super similar <clears throat> to what you just brought up there, Adam. Car, plane. It always like the image. I don't know why it always like unsettles me, but that image of like, Someone in charge, whether it be a captain, a pilot, someone leading a hike, whatever, looking down and seeing their compass just like spinning. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. that moment of, oh, crap, like, we don't know what to do now. And then, like, then to, like, look around you and, like, see this, like, fog coming down. Mm -hmm. It's just like the terror would be insane. So ominous. Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) Brutal. At least, like, if you're on a boat or in a car. (laughs) You're on a surface. <laughs> like, if you're in a plane, like that one guy that you interviewed, I was yeah. like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. If you were in a plane, I would, like, have a heart attack. Which I die. think is where most of this is experienced, though, is with pilots flying through mm-hmm. electronic fog. But you mm-hmm. mentioned the Philadelphia experiment right before you, you told the story. And, like, that's awesome because that's a wild, crazy, you know, conspiracy theory story in, in American lore. And – but – the idea of like working with electromagnetic fields came up over and over and over again. And that was an actual Mm -hmm. thing. And it's just so like, I don't know. It's just another one of those things. It's like, was there, is there, was there, and is there some sort of like black ops programs, like trying to harness things that we don't understand. And that comes back to the UFO stuff we were talking about earlier. And this very much could be one of them, right? It's like, is it is or isn't a natural quote unquote phenomena experienced by pilots experienced by whatever if you want to believe this story experienced by sailors as well mm-hmm. that like would it, would this try to be harnessed and then used by special programs and it's like it, could there be like one ounce of truth to the philadelphia experiment type story or stories like it that's exactly what and even in that um, hunt for zero point energy that mark cookbook that i i kind of vaguely referenced at the beginning of the episode but i don't really want to get into specifics because we're doing a full-on episode on that but he got into that too and the idea yeah that like there are these small nuggets that may or may not be resting atop of things that are actually true but have been grossly exaggerated or you know uh, brought into the um, misinterpreted the, too. The, the, the propaganda campaign sort of area you know what i mean and this actually this oh, comes sure. from the same area as the philadelphia experiment right this is from philadelphia so it actually was from <laughs> sorry sorry it says philadelphia august 1st but then after that it says the British ship Mohican made for the Delaware breakaway Sunday. So Delaware is actually right in and amongst there. So it's right by Philadelphia. So same sort of vicinity. American geography, everyone. So I don't know. Two Canadians. (laughs) I was going to say, I I don't even understand half of it. So you guys aren't alone here. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, electronic fog, that is something we'll definitely have to bring up again in the lodge here for a meeting because bizarre. Like just imagine like, you know, you have the lodestone. The lodestone is a naturally occurring piece of magnetic rock, which actually allowed people to discover magnetism back in the day. Mm. And it was it was used by early occultists to like show that they had magical powers and stuff. So it's like we discovered that, and it took some time to figure out what magnetism was. But what if there was another state of magnetism, but we just don't have the equipment? to figure it out yet like what if mag like magnetism had different phases of matter where it had a solid it had a liquid 
it has a gas and this ship just happened to experience one of those super rare mm. phases that it can be yeah. in and we just haven't figured out how to get it to come back yet like that'd be wild if we were if you turn on the news tomorrow and they're like oh by the way there's new magnets that uh float through the sky like yeah. that'd be insane it, it really is and I mean, it, that's just it. it just shows how rudimentary like human understanding is like we've only been like our, the concept of like superconductors and like even like how high speed trains are use mag- magnet technology to travel now is like still pretty, pretty rudimentary when you get into some of like the theoretical stuff. And then when obviously we mm-hmm. hear stories like this where it's like, OK, yeah. Much more, you know, this nuanced, is kind of complicated things at play here in the Ugh. universe, forces of the universe. You know what's weird, guys? Uh, do you know that like load means like L O D means like journey or way? Hmm. So maybe magnetism does play into higher concepts of like time travel and just like time space travel. Oh, or, speaking of time, you know what I mean? Like, because that's that's where the Nazi bell really comes into play, oh, and that's right. where yeah, the yeah. whole like Nick Cook thing comes in. And like, we're not going to get into that on this episode. But that's actually really <laughs> juicy to me. The idea of load actually i like that meaning journey or way a way through that's creepy but in a really cool way (laughs) adam you've been working on a time machine i have been building a time machine yes i have let's get the debris and you are i sent you a photo of it the other day and you are one of the only people to see a photo of it so far oh i feel blessed i I have not shown anyone else yet because I, i don't feel it's it's to the point to be to be shown, but so I like most most people who you know grew up in the '90s and stuff and grew up with Back to the Future like as a major part of their childhood. Like I love time travel. Have always loved time travel. Any stories involving time travel like have that special like place. Um, in my mind and stuff. And, um, I was listening again to, to art bell the other day and they were talking, he was talking with Stephen Gibbs. And for those who don't know, Stephen Gibbs in the nineties built and sold time machines out of his barn. And (laughs) he had a catalog for them and everything. And you could like buy, a, a, a time machine from him and he'd send it to you. And if, if anyone's a movie fan and is watching Napoleon dynamite, like they have one of the Stephen Gibbs time machines in it that Kip buys <laughs> off the internet to try to go back in time. <laughs> but I'm listening to him talk and he's selling these things in like nine, 90. I want to say it's like 96, 95, somewhere in that range. He's selling these things for like three, four hundred dollars a pop. And I'm I look at it online and I was like, I could build one of those. Like this isn't difficult. I could build a time machine. And my wife and I, we were out shopping. We went to the hardware store and I was like, I gotta pick up a few things. And she goes, and I'm picking up all this random stuff. And she goes, What are you building? And I said, Do you want me to tell you the truth or do you just want to accept what I'm doing? She goes, just do what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I had all of this stuff assembled. And later on, she goes, what are you building? I was like, I'm building a time machine. <laughs> and like, she's just like, okay. okay. And so for like the past, the past like two weeks now, I've like every day I've been plugging away at this time machine. 
And it has like taken over my life for this brief moment. And I'm just like, oh man, this is going to look really good when it's done. And what if I accidentally do it? Because I'm like wiring things to different things. I'm adding, there's like crystals on it. I'm hoping like and praying jar. for you, Adam. That would be amazing. It's like, it would be like that future Futurama episode. We don't where they like, lose Adam to another time period though. No, but he'll come back. Well, presumably. He'll come back. Mm-hmm. Except we'll be different Maybe versions Maybe I've already been there. But. Have you? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't figured that part out yet. That's amazing. I just I just got more parts today though, and I got a part coming tomorrow. And uh, this is amazing. So yeah. we'll, can we come on this at some time point we can, thing? Can, can we thinking? share this too at some point? Like, are we going to oh, be able to share this? Uh, like, we'll, we'll share some lot. Well, I- images from the lodge potentially here when you're. Oh, okay. yes, definitely. Great. When it when it's all said and done, I'm going to show everyone. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I I'll keep you guys updated. And what it looks like and what it can do. That might just end up being. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll ask keep, each time we do this. I will ask you to keep a journal, keep notes, just like you know, just say yeah, if don't anything. Don't forget how you built it. Yeah, exactly. I've been keeping progress photos, and if you go to my website, uh, pinebarrensinstitute dot com, you'll notice a section up top that says time travel. <laughs> that's that's new, but uh. Once this is done, if anyone wants one, if you send me a check or money order, <laughs> no, I will not build one. <laughs> Can you like explain some of the elements of what I'm looking at here? Like, there's a okay, so there's like a digital counter. It looks like, and then you're getting below you're that already. No, I just kind of want to know. Like, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, Adam. But like, there is a very interesting like crystal substance that I can see in a little viewport, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yep. So I I will give a few, a few, um, nuggets (laughs) on how, how this works. So the, if you see that green display up top Mm -hmm. sitting above that jar, so that's the element input and that display reads the base charge that the element input is putting out. As long as it's like nine, a steady nine, you're like it'll activate. That's that would, that would theoretically that would be the element pass through, which would create a door in which to walk through into a different time. Interesting. What kind of element do you have in there? You know, different elements uh, give off different charges. That's just that's just crystal. Crystals, okay. Gotcha. It's just it's just a ba- it's just like a base element to get a reading. Perfect. Well, looks it. like you got a good reading uh, there. A, it looks like it's reading nine. <laughs> there, it fluctuates. Okay. Yep. Uh, you got a sensor, like a stability sensor next to it. Uh, if you go to the right, there's a blue display. That is a line frequency um, readout. And that is to make sure that the the timeline is actually stable enough for the door to open up. Wow. Okay. But it it still needs its key. Like this whole thing, this whole thing can be turned on and operated, but it can't open anything up unless you have the key as a safety feature. So you can turn this whole thing on, but you can't do anything with it until you turn the key to actually unlock the energy within. So uh, what? So what does this key look like? It's just a normal ah, key, like a door key. <laughs> There's nothing special about ah, it. Okay. okay, all right. 
Wow. Now, how much of that do you believe? Uh, I mean, I will believe it when I see it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're looking. I mean, it's it just, honestly kind of looks like a weigh scale. It just all <laughs> sounds really. Fun. But and it looks want, really cool. It looks like, like I want something to happen like, you know? <laughs> that isn't quite time travel, but is still something that you're like, oh shit. Mm. So is the idea <laughs> that, that is, you like stand on top of it? No, the idea would actually be like it's light enough where you can hold it. So you can hold it all in one arm. And what it would do is the frequency around you would actually like kind of displace the time you're in. Mm. And you can walk through it into the time you set. I still need to add the keypad and stuff like that to punch in where you want to go. Okay. Okay. But... It, all the all the internal components are in a a waterproof, um, shatterproof like elect, uh, uh, electronics box. Mm-hmm. So none of the legit. the radiation or anything gets out. Okay. No, that's it's. But now now it's up to you and anyone listening to figure out: Am I just bullshitting all of this, or is is there any is there any logical proof behind all of it? Am I pulling a Stephen Gibbs right now? Mm. Or am I pulling a Doc Brown? I think, uh, hey. I'm leaning towards Doc Brown here. I'm leaning towards Doc Brown. I highly encourage everyone listening to go check out the movie Primer. Uh, And then listen to our Film Friday covering Primer. That was a freaking rabbit hole, but one of the coolest (sighs) uh, interpretations of time travel we've ever discussed. Be prepared to watch that movie like five times. We watched it about five times. (laughs) I still don't know if if I understood after the fifth i, I mean, kind of get it but the way that I they because it, it. it's like a it's an indie film so they don't really elaborate on the visuals of it right so you really have to no, rely on the uh the dialogue to mm-hmm. really explain what you're experiencing mm-hmm. and what you're seeing and they and they don't dumb down the dialogue no. god like no. it's it's legit science it's like mit like talk. people right it's, like mit f- physicists or something like that if yeah i think mistaken. they were uh, yeah, yeah. Like at the time engineers mathematicians yeah yeah so highly recommend checking that out mm-hmm. and then maybe some of this will all sound a little bit more uh yeah up, up your alley and then we'll yeah we'll have to follow up on the time travel device in the next lodge meeting <laughs> i want to know is there any like magnetic things in your time travel device um there is some magnetic field uh, noises it emits okay. when the the internal components turn oh, on. Yeah. That's all being held on the inside, though. That that element that gets put in is what dictates how much it it puts mm-hmm. out. Okay. All right. All right. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> are you good? Is it, are you, I just know. I'm really today? curious. I want it to work, but I, you know, I'm very skeptical. Let's see. Are you? I don't think you are. I think you're going to go out to Home Depot tomorrow and start building one here at a house. <laughs> we might have to. I can show. I will share my progress photos, and you guys can build. One. I, will I will let send Adam you share every that link with us, and okay. I think I'll just let you handle that. This has been so fun, though. This, this has been great. It's been a really, I think, a pretty solid first meeting at the lodge. Yeah, good first. Good first meeting. Covered uh, some good stuff. The place is looking good. I think, yeah. I think the, we've uh, got three the, the solid pillars, right? Yeah. Three solid A pillars. Hey, that's true. It's, it's like it's A's. like a yeah. It's an A-frame. Hey, I never even really thought of that. Right? It's like AAA beef. (laughs) AAA batteries. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Our names all do start with A. Huh. It just clicked. Look at that. (laughs) Serendipity, man. 
everything is connected. I swear. We're going to find out that, that that's true here at the lodge. Yes. Was, Next but, episode. Uh, Synchronicity, serendipity. Synchronous, hey, there you go. And more time and travel. More time travel. More time travel. Maybe some leprechauns. Maybe some leprechauns. We don't really have any official socials for this or anything. It's just going to kind of be done through Into the Portal and the Pine Barrens Institute. So make sure you follow Into the Portal podcast on Instagram and the Pine Barrens Institute on Instagram. Check out the Pine Barrens Institute.com, uh, Into the Portal.com. And uh, we still need to work out a logo here, a coat of arms uh, for Lodge 1908. So we'll discuss that. If anybody mm-hmm. else listening has any ideas, I'm thinking something to do with yeah. a rabbit. You know, like rabbit hole going down the road, something like that. I think we need a rod in there too. And a rod. Yeah. Well, we have to have multiple. I think a rabbit would be Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. We'll come up with something. I think there has, yeah, a hole would be cool and things jumping into the hole would be neat. Just rods galore, just flying. No, rabbits and rods and whatever else. That's just very unintentionally sexual. Okay. That's a great place to end this. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay. Thank you all so much for listening to this inaugural episode of, uh, the meeting, the, the all-important meeting at Lodge 1908. And uh, we will be back again next month. So stay tuned for that. If you have anything that you would like discussed uh, at this at these all-important meetings that we have, please uh, send us a DM at Pine Barrens or into the portal or an email at either one of those as well. And just make sure, yeah, you follow us on the socials. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for some posts from the Lodge. Adam, do you have anything that you wanted to finish off with? We welcome all new members, and we hope you enjoyed this uh, this chapter. Absolutely. Amber? Had a blast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.